This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Reed Pence. This week, a moral question. Easing the grief of a spouse's advanced Alzheimer's by starting a new relationship. It can be beneficial for the individual. It can actually give them strength and power to hang in there with their spouse. Questioning till death do we part when Radio Health Journal continues. Hepatocellular carcinoma, or HCC, is the most common type of liver cancer and the fastest growing cause of cancer death in the United States. Despite this, a new survey conducted by Bristol-Myers Squibb in collaboration with Blue Ferry, the Adrian Wilson Liver Cancer Association revealed that 90% of caregivers of liver cancer patients wish there was more public awareness of the seriousness of a liver cancer diagnosis and 77% think it doesn't get as much attention as other cancers. Andrea Wilson is president and founder of Blue Fairy. Before my sister was diagnosed with HCC, I thought the only cause of liver cancer was alcoholism. These survey findings reinforce the need for greater awareness of liver cancer and also for more resources to help support caregivers and patients. To help address the needs caregivers identified in the survey, Bristol-Myers Squibb and Blue Fairy have launched livercanceroutlook.com, a website with information about the disease and links to patient and caregiver resources. For more information, visit livercanceroutlook.com. More than 5 million Americans are living with Alzheimer's disease. Within about 30 years, that number could triple. Yet caring for a loved one with dementia is one of the loneliest, most difficult jobs you can imagine. Even the most basic physical tasks eventually require help. And perhaps especially for a husband or wife, the pain of watching their beloved slip away can be almost impossible to take. No wonder Alzheimer's caregivers are among the groups most at risk of depression. It can be an extremely unrewarding job. You're often doing things like you would uh, in the process of raising a child at different developmental stages, only in reverse. And of course, when you're raising a child, you see growth. You get the feedback of someone moving forward, growing, being able to learn new things. And it's just the opposite with the dementia patient. That's Dr. William Uffner, a board-certified geriatric psychiatrist at Friends Hospital in Philadelphia and clinical assistant professor of psychiatry at Drexel University. You're confronting progressive losses. The person loses their ability to function, their ability to communicate, their ability to do very, very basic tasks, their ability to form judgments, their awareness of their own personal hygiene, their ability even at some point to feed themselves and at some point to recognize who family members are and other loved ones are and just becomes a shadow of their former selves. And of course, not only do you have the increased burden of taking care of someone, but you've also lost companionship. And that decline continues no matter how good a caregiver a person is. That has a dramatic psychological effect. Things continue to deteriorate and continue to get worse in spite of your best efforts confronting progressive losses, and at a certain point, a person no longer feels like they're capable or able or fulfilling their responsibility as they see someone deteriorate in front of their eyes. That's when the problem really begins for them, because there's guilt involved, there is 
uh, increased physical burden involved, and you're no longer able to say to yourself, I'm doing a good job. No one could do what you would hope to be able to do. That's when you're in trouble. But just when caregivers need more support, they're likely to get less. There is also increasing isolation as friends begin to drift away. Friends who, you know, were once uh, dinner companions or travel companions who now find it very difficult to be in the company of someone who is changing and declining. It's scary. People don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. And caregivers often find this very difficult and disappointing when friends begin to fade away. Sharon B. Shaw is a licensed clinical social worker and certified group psychotherapist in private practice in Manhattan. Caregivers often say that people will say to them, I admire you so much and you're doing such a good job and how can you keep going? And their answer to that is, you know, what is my choice? What choice do I have? Huffner says caregiving spouses often feel hopeless, helpless, powerless, and increasingly depressed. To survive, they have to reach out. Anything they can do to share the caregiver burden with someone else, anything they can do to increase the level of their own personal support, which are available through groups, through the Alzheimer's Association and other support groups, those things really help. But just how far should reaching out go? Should it ever go well beyond just friendship when a spouse with Alzheimer's is still alive? Huffner says it's not all that rare for a caregiver to start a relationship with what he calls a paramour. Shaw doesn't see it as often, but doesn't disapprove. Caregiving is so lonely, and, you know, people will say over and over again, you know, it's awful to sit at a dinner table with someone you can't even have a conversation with. I absolutely support a relationship outside of the marriage as long as the caregiver is responsible and making sure that the needs of the person with the dementia are being met. For some people, the maintenance of a relationship with the member of the opposite sex is empowering and something which can provide them with the fuel to continue to fulfill their obligations as they can. It can be beneficial for the individual. It can actually give them strength and power to hang in there with their spouse. I mean, if they're depressed to the point where they're irritable, you feel like there's no rewards in their life, and they're feeling powerless, hopeless, and helpless, that's not good for the dementia patient. Because what they have is someone who's completely miserable around them, who doesn't have the patience anymore. So there's a trade-off there. Tammy Reeves and her now husband, Eric, know the trade-offs well. Tammy is a nurse who met Eric in 2007 after he had moved his wife, Gay, into a nursing home. Gay had been diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's at age 49, and by her mid-50s no longer recognized Eric nor any of their children. Alzheimer's had won. He was defeated and alone. So I think that he just was tired of the loneliness and tired of living his life alone because Gay wasn't there anymore, you know, not physically in the house, and certainly not mentally, just in a nursing home, trapped in that body without being able to talk or speak or walk or anything. Finding a new relationship wasn't Eric's idea. It was his daughter who wrote a profile for him on Match.com. Tammy says in her book Bleeding Hearts, a true story of Alzheimer's, family, and the other woman, that Eric was up front from their first meeting that his wife was the priority. I just remember his quivering lip and his eyes tearing up and him shaking as he spoke about his wife. 
And my heart just broke for him. I was just so sad and wanted to be in his life at some point. That's all I remember thinking is if we just end up being friends, that's fine. I just need to be in this man's life. However, Tammy admits she and Eric fell in love quickly. They moved in together. It's not something many people would approve of. For some people, the thought of having a relationship while their spouse was still alive with someone else is totally horrific for them. For others, they may objectively look at what they have, what they've lost, and how they can begin to make some repair in that and feel comfortable. That's a highly individualized decision. Yeah, there may be criticism. You know, there might be moral, you know, objections or religious objections on the part of some people, but that's their opinion. If, you know, the other woman um, is secure and feels supported by her own family and by her new partner, then why not? But, yeah, there are always people who will take offense and raise moral objections about affairs or relationships that they don't approve of. Tammy and Eric felt both sides. Most of the family approved, but Eric's granddaughter didn't and cut off their relationship. She did it through her father, Eric's son told her that she didn't want to come to Christmas at our house because she didn't approve of what we were doing. She missed her grandmother dearly, and she was strong Christian, and that's what she believed until death do us part. And when Eric's son sent us the email saying, you know, we're all going to come, but this one's going to stay at home, it just broke our hearts. But at the same time, I was proud of her for standing up for what she believed in. I, too, believed in death put you part. But I also, being in the medical field, that there are exceptions to every rule, and not just in our situation, but in many situations across the board. Huffner says when Alzheimer's has turned a husband or a wife into a ghost, spouses who would never consider being unfaithful before may contemplate it simply to cope. And Tammy Reeves says who can say they're wrong? As long as they're not hurting anyone, I don't know why it's anybody else's business. You haven't walked in anybody's shoes. You don't know what they've gone through. And I'd like to quote his daughter. She said, My dad was a shell of a man and was on the road to killing himself until you came into his life. You saved his life. You saved my father from dying. So she totally supported what we were doing. And I felt like if his own daughter, her daughter, said something like that, then it couldn't have been anything wrong that we were doing. Eric was a husband to gay to the very end in every capacity she needed him to be. He made decisions that no husband should have to make for a wife, and he was there for her every step of the way. Anything she needed, he made sure she had it. Still, Tammy says the sting of judgment has been strong. She's never lost the feeling that she was the other woman, and it wasn't easy. If I would have given it more thought and thought about how difficult it was going to be, and I don't mean the judgment, I mean the pain that I had to go through, because it's difficult to be, quote-unquote, the other woman. It's difficult to have to put your life on hold because she's still alive. And there's a lot of things that we weren't allowed to do because we weren't married and couldn't get married. And I've jokingly said this, but there's some truth to it. But if I would have given it that much thought and thought about how hard it was going to be for me as a woman, I probably would have run the other way. For many caregivers, a new relationship is out of the question. But no matter where it comes from, Shaw says getting support is imperative. I. I'm a big proponent of joining a support group. 
members of support groups will say, you know, who else can understand? Who else knows what this is like? I can say anything in this room. I can cry. I can laugh. And I will be understood by all of you because you are going through the same thing. It is a very lonely experience. And support from others who understand what you're going through, I think, is essential in order to get through the experience of caregiving for someone with dementia. You can find out more about Tammy Reeves's book, Bleeding Hearts, as well as more information about all of our guests on our website, RadioHealthJournal.net. I'm Reed Pence. Medical notes this week. A study about 10 years ago proved that stents inserted into heart arteries did no good in preventing heart attacks. Still, at least a half million patients per year worldwide receive stents to relieve chest pain. Now a new study is pouring cold water on that use too. The study in the journal The Lancet finds that many patients with stents do no better than those who don't get them. Researchers say it's true that stents open up blood flow, but medication can do that too. And putting in a stent to open up an artery carries a lot of risk. The incidence of asthma in the United States is going up, but the number of asthma deaths is dropping. A report presented to the American College of Chest Physicians shows that nearly 25 million Americans have asthma, including 9 million children. The good news is that the death rate for asthma has fallen about 50% since 1999. The biggest drop is reported in people over age 65, mostly as a result of better medications. A new study shows that while diet is the key factor in a big weight loss, exercise is the key in maintaining it. The study in the journal Obesity followed 14 contestants in the Biggest Loser TV show for six years and found that after a big weight loss, the metabolism permanently slows down, so people burn about 500 calories less per day than they'd expect. Participants who maintained their loss exercised vigorously for an average of 35 minutes every day or engaged in moderate exercise each day for an average of nearly an hour and a half. And finally, a lot of people think that different interests or personality traits create unhappiness in a relationship. But a study in the Journal of Consumer Research finds that preferring different brands as your partner is much more important. Researchers say the partner with the lower power in a relationship is likely to be stuck with the other partner's preferred brands over and over. Before long, that creates a feeling of death by a thousand cuts. And that's Medical Notes this week. Thank you for listening to Radio Health Journal, a production of MediaTracks Communications. If you enjoyed this week's show, please leave a review on iTunes or share it with a friend. You can find more Radio Health Journal stories about health, science, and technology on iTunes, Stitcher, and at RadioHealthJournal.net.